Well, good morning. Good morning. Continuing our series in uh, shaping, pruning, this season of shaping and pruning, and today we're looking at shaping and pruning our time. Uh, I remember my first full-time job uh, with a firm of uh, chartered accountants over in Chatswood, and it was a good firm, but a very old-fashioned firm. So all the partners uh, were addressed by uh, Mr. Um, the, um, the married, married ladies, ladies in the, the office, office uh, by Mrs. And there was certainly no um, um, kind of personal, personal salutations or anything like that. Very much demarked between work and leisure and home. You know, um, um, it was a time when work was work and the workplace was not to be mixed with personal life. Um, I remember I, I was uh, had been there quite a few years. I was a senior in the firm and uh, leaving one night after six o'clock, so well after knock-off time, uh, one of the uh, partners, uh, Mr Brown, he said, Brian, and he put his glasses on the end of his nose, and I'm just realising I haven't got my glasses on, so it's a good excuse. Ah, thanks, Murray. He put the, uh, his glasses on the end of his uh, nose, and he said, uh, Brian, uh, you had a three-minute telephone conversation today about rugby training. And Sue, another lady in the office who I must say was well gone by six o'clock, said Sue had a long conversation with her sister about baby bars. When we're in the office, when we're at work, can we keep, can we keep it to work in work time, please? So I walked away and I'm thinking, man, you know, here you are, unpaid overtime back there and worried about a three-minute conversation. But that was... That was the way work was done, at least in the office I was in. Those were the days when there was not to be a distraction, like a private phone call. Obviously, there are no private, there are no personal phones, no mobile phones in pockets in those days. Our life was compartmentalised into work and a leisure and a sleep. Now, John Brown, I should call him Mr Brown, uh, John Brown was a really good boss. Um, I got on very well with him. And he's been dead many years now. But I reckon he'd be rolling in his grave when he thinks about the loss of productive man hours in today's workplace. After all, 45 years ago, personal computers were, were just emerging. Uh, there was no internet. Uh, personal phones um, or mobile phones were just coming out. They were great big things. I remember the first time I saw one, you almost needed a removalist truck to move the battery around, you know. Um, walked around with it. Um, one of the clients I had, when I had my own practice, um, he rang up one day and he said, oh, Brian, can I call in to see you? I said, sure. Uh, where are you? He says, I'm just out in the garden. I'm testing out my new mobile phone. So then he walked in the office door with his great big thing and put it on the floor and then pulled out the, pulled out the head, handset and this thing was huge. Well, those things weren't there 45 years ago when I was doing my training. But now, with the introduction of the, uh, of the laptop, the iPhone, the iPad, watches, uh, we have a computer either in our pockets or on our wrists. And so it's not so easy to mark our time, to demark our time into work and into leisure and into sleep. John Brown would be horrified, absolutely horrified. 
Now, now you know you what know it's what like. Time. You and I can be engrossed in a conversation. Sure, sure, our phone might be on silent, but then we, we feel, feel the vibration of it, it, and we think, oh, I wonder where that message has come from. I wonder what that email is about. And all, and all of a sudden, our focus, focus is taken is off um, where it has been, and we get ourselves distracted. Sociologists and cultural anthropologists have written a great deal about the interruptions uh, by work at home or home at work is enormous, and, and it's the busyness of our lives that forces us to, burn, to blur the boundaries, so much so that it's almost impossible to get the right balance. Almost, Almost impossible for us to get, get the right balance, balance, particularly if you're someone where your work emails come in on your own phone. And that leads, the sociologists would say, to increased anxiety levels because we don't have any control anymore over our lives. We're being pushed and we're being pulled by the demands that come to us for the messages or the emails. And so that has a lot of implications for us particularly for us as followers of Jesus Christ. That passage that uh, Sue read for us uh, from Ephesians chapter 5, if ever there's a time when we need to be very careful how we live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, another version would say redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the time is short. If ever there's a time that we need to be careful how we manage it, it's right now. Um, this this uh, part of the scriptures obviously comes in the middle of chapter 5, as we can tell. But from the middle of chapter 4, Paul is writing and he's urging Christians to live as children of the light. And he paints this picture of what life was like before they knew Jesus. And life, how depraved life was. And what their lives were like. And what he's saying is, you've now got a new life. So be very careful how you live now. Don't go back to where you were. Don't live like you were before. So make the most of it. Be careful how you live, and the subtext of that is because it's easy to get conned. And make the most of every opportunity. Subtext of that is get the right focus because we live in an evil world and the days are short. And then he goes on to sum it up. Understand what the Lord's will is. The subtext of that is because it's the only way you are truly going to live a fulfilled life. In other words, get a handle on your time. And don't go back into the way you lived your life before. So I want to pose a question for us today, a few questions. How can I truly shape my time? Maybe you're right with your time management now. Although the people I speak to say, I'm just so busy. Speaking, Speaking earlier, now I'm start the service today. We thought COVID had closed us down a bit. We had a little bit more time. It seems now that people are starting to get a little bit more busy and we're getting back almost to where we were. It is a battle. How can I stay on course? Well, there's many reasons it's a battle. Um, surprisingly... Um, in one way, when I say surprisingly, technology is one of those issues I've referred to that. But back 20 years ago, the sociologists were telling us that with the rise of technology, most of us would only be working three days a week. 
You know, those that are my age will remember that. Oh, yeah, you'll be only working three days a week. You'll have that much leisure time. You won't have busy... You'll be decide what you want to do, where you can go. You won't have interruptions. Life will be a breeze. And yet what we know is, surprisingly, it's technology that is often a medium which saps our time. The constant interruptions can have us responding to the urgent and the trivial rather than the important in our life. Now, Stephen Covey, the writer of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, has written a lot about this. Uh, he died in 2012 from complications after he's knocked off his push bike by a car. And he died. And uh, I reminded Lynn of that as she left to go on a bike ride. Uh, just uh, last week, and she thought it was very poor timing. Um, but I just wanted to point out that, you know, fellas have been knocked off their bikes and killed, so be careful. Yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't impressed, but I digress. Uh, let's get back to uh, Stephen Covey's writing. It's timeless. Um, he devised this. He, he actually took what was the Eisenhower matrix. Um, Dwight D. Eisenhower had, had started to talk about dividing time up into the urgent and to the important, and he built on that, Stephen Covey built on that, and he just um, believed there are two factors that define any activity. That is, is it urgent or is it important? And it's urgent if it's time-based. In other words, it's urgent if it's critical according to time. That might be like a fire in your kitchen or a car that's, that's kind of stalled on the freeway, in the middle of the freeway in front of you. It can be the, the urgency of a deadline at work and just the constant demands of work that come with a schedule that has to be done then and there or by the deadline. Important, on the other hand, has to do with results has to do with what we're aiming to achieve, our, our pursuing our mission and our values and our high priority goals. And it includes, important includes, our own self-care and health, our spiritual and our physical health. We react naturally to important things that are urgent. As human beings, we react naturally to things that are important and urgent. But sociologists would tell us that we're not so good at reacting to important things that are not urgent. We leave those undone. And what the research shows us is that in our fast-paced world, the sociologists would tell us that we are constantly operating in crisis mode. We are constantly operating in that Q1, that, that um, quadrant one. Responding to the pressing deadlines. And sometimes we're responding to these quadrant three distractions when someone comes and stands at our door and they're there urgent. We need to address that need and it sneaks up and we think it's a quadrant one problem, but it really isn't. And what the studies have found is that we operate about 90% of our time in quadrant one, such as the pressure of life. And so when we come home and we get into the, into the um, home and we sit down on the lounge and we think, oh, isn't that great? I'm going to relax now. Where do we go? Quadrant four is often the place we go. I don't know if this is true for you. So you go to quadrant four and you think, oh, I just want to do something where I don't have to do anything, I'm brain dead. Okay. I've had enough. I'm worn out through the pressures of life. 
And so, so that's where the Netflix, Netflix binges come in for people. Oh, uh, you know, the, onto the internet and into social media and all of those things. Well, this has enormous implications for us who are Christians. Because Quadrant 2 is a place where we have our spiritual growth. Setting aside time in Quadrant 2 is where we're going to be doing our long-range planning or our studying of God's Word, our building good relationships, pursuing our personal mission statement for those that did their shape last week to sit down and to be thinking about how has God gifted me and what does that mean for me now as I journey forward. So we need to be serious about Quadrant 2, but that is the Quadrant in our life and our time management that is so often squeezed. Phil Fisher said the impact that God has planned for us doesn't occur when we're pursuing impact. It occurs when we're pursuing God. And so it's important that we get ourselves into Quadrant 2. And it's important that we put first things first. We're going to have a look at a, uh, a little clip now, uh, which I think you can relate to. Now for us, we get a container. And that container is able to take, well, as of 24 hours each and every day, 168 hours every week. What are we going to fill it with? What are we going to fill it with? We can fill our days with pebbles, but we're not going to end, end up with enough space for the big rocks. Some people have uh, misinterpreted that video. They think what it's actually saying is if you put all your big rocks in first, you'll be able to put everything else of life in there as well. But friends, that's a misunderstanding because you and I know we'll never fit everything of our life in. Particularly for us, with so many different opportunities to be engaged in a whole range of things, we'll never fit it all in. What that video is all about really is to say, if we don't get the big rocks in first, we will not get the big rocks in. And it's better for us to get the big rocks in, those foundational things that need to be put in and to miss out on the pebbles than it is to fill our life with a whole lot of meaningless pebbles and not be able to get the big rocks in. And I know the truth of that. Friends, if I don't get up in the morning and have my quiet time early in the morning, chances are that it's not going to happen during the day. I don't know about you. If I don't go for a walk and do some exercise in the morning, as you can see, I haven't been up early to do that. First thing in the morning, if I don't do that, chances are it's not going to happen. I've got to get those big rocks in first because the normal demands of life simply sap our time. And we don't have time for it all. As Job 14.5 says, our time is limited. You, God, has given us only so many months to live and have set limits we cannot go beyond. We cannot go beyond them. We've only got a certain number of hours in a day. We've only got a certain number of years of life on this earth. We can't stretch it any further. So a question for us today. What are the big rocks for each of us? I just want you to be thinking in your own life. What are the big rocks that I need to put in? Time with God? Just as we're going through some of this. How are you going with time with God? How about intellectual growth? 
thinking about some of those different studies or pursuits that you might want to be doing. How about your physical exercise? Time alone with your spouse, and I'm thinking particularly of um, young, um, young couples with young kids. Um, oftentimes you don't have time just for each other. So what can you put in your calendar about making time just for you as a couple to enjoy each other together? How about your family and friends? Important projects, simply relaxing. The only way to do it is to, to look ahead and to start to put them in the calendar. It's interesting when we look at um, uh, time, uh, family and friends, going away on holidays would be a part of that. I know that if we hadn't put uh, one of our big trips in our calendar before we went, we would not have got there. It was a three-month trip that we had away. We are going to do it with the, uh, the polking horns. David was doing a big project down out at uh, Sydney Olympic Park as a design engineer. He had a certain time that he knew he was going to finish and then he could have three months off. And so for us, we had planned that 12 months in advance to be able to do it. If that had just rolled on, there is no way I would have been able to carve out three months of time without a 12-month lead at time. And so this is, these are some of the big rocks that I think we can be putting in our schedule. And as we rearrange life, the easiest place to find room for quadrant two is in quadrant four. The non-urgent, non-important. So what can we shelve? As you're wanting to redeem your time, if that's a decision that you're wanting to make this morning, what are some of those things that you are doing now that you can move up into that quadrant two area for growth in your own life? The next aspect I just want to move on to is here are some ideas to better manage di digital technology. Um, Mitch wrote in his uh, pastor's desk this week, one of the depressing things is when you see how much screen time you've had. And I don't know if that comes to you, but sometimes when it comes onto my phone, I think, man, was I on my phone or my device that long during the week? So set limits on the use. Use only one device at a time. Turn off unnecessary notifications. Um, we had a security system put in our house and it is driving me crazy because I've got these, these notifications on every time someone drives in the drive. So if you come to visit us, man, all of a sudden, I don't really want to be notified of every time a person drives in the drive. I just want to be notified when someone breaks into my house. You know? So I've got to manage that a little bit better. Plan your social media and your news activities. Um, Prioritising off-screen activities during the day. And then creating tech-free times and tech-free zones. It was interesting, um, one of our um, kids who is no longer living at home, well, actually we only got one at home at the moment, they were all out of home for a while, but um, she, so everyone knows who it is now, um, decided that um, when she was there that I should turn my phone off, never have my phone available at mealtime, turn the whole thing off. Okay, so the phone rings, um, and I could feel this thing going. It was turned off. I could feel the phone going in my pocket. Refused to answer it. Refused to look at it. Okay, then the home phone rings. Refused to answer it. Then Lynn's phone goes. No, she's not answering hers either. And then finally, about half an hour later, 
um, when everything was back up, answered the phone, we'd finished dinner, it happened to be our daughter. Isn't anyone home there? Why didn't you answer the phone? Oh, we were having dinner. Someone told us we should turn our devices off. But not for me, she says, not for me. Yeah, creating tech-free zones and tech-free times. If we're going to make the most of every opportunity and knowing we can't do it all, we need to prune our activities periodically. What's true in our home gardens is true in our own real life. If there's no pruning, there's going to be less growth. There's going to be less fruit uh, in the next seasons of life. And, and when we're pruning in our garden at home, and I did some of our roses yesterday, and when we prune in our garden at home, we don't just get rid of the dead wood. We cut off some parts of the branches that are good because we want them to produce more fruit. So what aspect of our lives do we need to be pruning? I want to leave it there and just allow a bit of space for us just to bow our heads and to go over where we spend our time in a normal week and then to be asking that God would guide us in the weeks ahead to carve out. You might be someone who's managing your time well and that's all absolutely fantastic. I want to encourage you in that. There might be others that feel a little bit challenged today and are thinking about, okay, I could do this with my time in a way that is going to make me more fruitful for the kingdom in the days ahead. So let's just bow in a bit of a time of silence and um, Gabby and the team will come back and then after an appropriate time I'll, I'll close in prayer. Just remember there's a, there's a prayer corner down the back. If you've got issues that are burdening you and causing you anxiety and it's coming out because you don't seem to have enough time to be able to do what lays in front of you, I'd invite you to, to come down and to be prayed for this morning. So let's spend a, time, a bit of time in quietness. Heavenly Father, we just want to confess that, um, that often we get overrun with the demands of life. Overrun sometimes where we can't even see you in the mix of all that's happening around us. And Father, we want to thank you that you invite us to come and to lay our schedules before you, to know that with you, you will guide us and give us your wisdom and give us your discernment because you want us and we want to be people who don't live as unwise but as wise people. People who can make the most of our time to redeem our time and in this short life that we have, Lord, to 
follow you and to be used to glorify your name. So, Father, even as we've gone over different aspects of our lives that we need to commit to you and ask for your help to guide and to lead us, we want to say thank you. Thank you that you're not a God who is aloof from us, but you're a God who journeys with us through all of these decisions of our life each and every day. And we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.